great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. I booked my daughter to come home from college for Thanksgiving. And she goes to college across the country. So she's flying, not driving. And within a week of having booked her, there have already been two schedule changes. And the reason is, is that bookings for airlines have absolutely evaporated recently. And so airlines are dramatically, drastically cutting their flight schedules, for, uh, particularly for November and December. And they're taking this almost week by week. One of the things that has stunned airlines is a huge percent of their passengers that are the leisure passengers would book their flights typically six to 12 or more weeks out. Do you know now almost all bookings are two weeks out or less? And so imagine you're trying to figure out how many employees you need, how many aircraft you need, what routes you should be flying, when demand is impossible to predict till a couple of weeks out before flights. That's why... If you have booked a flight, always check your schedule. Don't go to the airport based on the original flight booking because it may not exist anymore. And you could end up going and they say, oh, your, your flight changed four times. It left three hours ago. Where were you? So you always want to check because the schedules are so unstable. And I watched a video on YouTube just a couple of days ago of a video of the Southwest Airlines CEO talking to all the Southwest employees. Nothing like that stays private. You know, it ends up where anybody can see it. And Clara, who writes about travel deals for us at ClarkDeals.com, sent me a link to this and I watched it. And over and over again, the CEO looked like he was going to break down and start crying. His name's Gary Kelly. He looked like he was going to crumble. And this is a guy who is uh, comes from the finance side, you know, a numbers cruncher. And to see him as emotional as he was, was really a sight to see. Because whenever I have interviewed Gary Kelly in my TV work, I found him to be a... Uh, um, an accountant. But anyway, he's a human under there. Not to say that accountants aren't humans. But the video to the employees was something that was a stark reminder about sectors of the economy that are in a brutal situation beyond anything in the history of aviation. And it's that the revenue numbers are so teensy tiny that there's actually less air travel right now than there was 50 years ago going on right now, number of people traveling. And Southwest, for the first time ever, said to their employees, come January, people are either going to have to take pay cuts or suffer layoffs. To my knowledge, there's never been a layoff at Southwest. 
and I'm not aware there's ever been a pay cut. And they've always had a highly motivated workforce because they have not, uh, they've never filed for bankruptcy like other airlines. They've never done all the uh, rifts, you know, reduction in force, layoffs, furloughs, and certainly not pay cuts. And so this is a whole new era. And it looks like Southwest is in better financial shape than any other U.S. airline. It looks like it's really possible a number of really well-known old line airline names around the world and possibly here in the United States will not survive this. I mean, this is a very, very tough time. And any phase of travel that you're interested in, make sure whatever you buy, only buy with a credit card. Know the rules for changing your booking later. Knowing the rules for getting a refund. And never, 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 not ever use a debit card to book travel when the people you're buying it from, you don't know who's going to make it and who's not. It's time for your questions you posted for me at clark.com slash ask. Kim, you're up. This is from Leslie in Florida, and Leslie says, we do interest rate shopping at online banks each time one of our CDs mature. At maturity, we would transfer the funds to our checking account and then transfer out of there to a new bank CD. However, our bank has now limited the number, the amount on external transfers to $2,000 per day and $5,000 per month. That means to transfer it electronically, we would have to do a wire and we don't want to pay the wire fees. No kidding. Right? um, Leslie goes on to say that it appears that a majority of banks now have external transfer fee limits and wondering if you know any way to get around this. I have not heard that this was a, has become a common industry practice for bricks and mortar banks, but I'm not totally surprised because the banks the traditional banks have such a bad deal they offer their customers that trying to compel you to stay with them basically instead of moving money back and forth to online banks says to me what's the line from uh forever ago the first star wars movie the the tighter the empire uh The more the empire tightens its grip, the more people slip through. And so, however, you're supposed to say that line. But the point is, is that the traditional big banks doing this kind of thing, capping your ability to have control of your money and move it as you wish, transfer as you wish, means that they no longer deserve your business. And I would look at potentially doing all your banking with an online bank or credit union, or if you have substantial funds, have your bank account, if you will, your banking kind of thing, with one of the discount stockbrokers that offer free checking without uh, crazy anti-consumer limits like that. And I hope that you are not right that this has become a widespread practice with traditional treat the customer like dirt banks joel clark hawaiian in florida says we're interested in taking advantage of the low mortgage rates being offered however we'd like to have an idea of our home's value before approaching lenders and entering the application process 
We've seen ads regarding a company I've never heard of called Ownerly, which states that they will let you know your home's value simply by entering your home's address on their website. Uh, What's your take? Is this a good place to go to get an idea of our home's value? Well, any of these algorithms are just that, and the estimates can be all over the place. So if you want to use Ownerly and you want to use Zillow and come up with their Zestimate, if your home is in a suburban area and there are many similar homes in a, in a development, you're able to, uh, to get a pretty accurate reading on the value of your home. However, if you live in a rural area or in a tight urban area, and the homes are more individual, you will not get an accurate reading from Ownerly or from Zillow. But there is something you have to know about Ownerly. You have to register with them, and then they have your name, they have your email, you have set up an account with them, and then their thing is to try to sell you a lot of services. They use the value estimation for your home to try to bring you into their orbit to then sell you other things or refer you for other things that they make money from. Kim? Polly in Alaska says, my high schooler signed up for a school trip that goes overseas with a tour company and the school has since canceled the trip because of everything going on. The tour company is only offering a travel voucher or you can pay a $500 penalty and then get a refund. This seems so unacceptable to me and I'm wondering if you have any suggestions on how we can get a full refund. All right, Kim and Joel, how many, uh, the details vary from person to person, but how many of these have we had over seven months? Quite a lot. So... The worst problems have generally come from tour operators. The school trips have been an especially bad problem with people being able to get money back. And you are generally at the mercy of the trip operator. I talked to a friend who uh, was in a situation like this the other day. And in their case, the trip had not been canceled by them the tour they were going on never occurred. But the booking outfit they had booked with said, hey, we're not giving you money back, which basically is they don't have the money. That's the hard part here. So did did the poster say how much the trip was originally? They didn't. I was curious as well. They did not. Because paying $500 in junk fees to get back the rest of your money would actually it would hurt but it would be potentially a better idea if the trip was a many thousands of dollars trip and at least you'd know you'd get back that amount of money if the trip on the other hand is a trip that was not much more money than the five hundred dollars then you're between a rock and a hard place and you have to decide if you're just going to take a chance losing the remainder of your money or if you do want to hold off. But forcing them to give money back has been a non-starter because the thing is these tour operators and travel agencies that have booked tours have no assets you can get. If a number of people sue them, it's not going to do you any good because they'll just bankrupt out. So I would make a practical decision 
And if a lot of money is at risk and you want to make sure you get back as much as possible, as unfair as it is, pay the $500 penalty and get back the remainder. Joel? Clark Joe in Minnesota says, I'm experiencing sticker shock looking for car rentals in Salt Lake City, Utah for November. I'm stunned to see that most compact or economy cars are going for about $70 a day or more. I'm not at all used to paying 70% of the price of a decent hotel room for a small rental car. What's going on? The only decent rental prices with a- are with agencies that have really, really bad customer reviews. No kidding. I mean, you're you're... Uh, pointing out a problem that has been the weirdest thing. It comes in the category of freakonomics. So the car rental industry collapsed as business travel collapsed because car rental industry's economics are all based on business travelers. Hertz filed bankruptcy. Car rental companies have paired their fleets so heavily and reduced their overhead as much as they possibly could to the point that inventories are so low and historically business car rental customers cross-subsidize those of us using leisure rentals. Well, they're not there to do that right now. So this is total supply and demand issues. What I've been recommending to people going to Colorado or to Utah, uh, I don't know if you're going for an early ski trip in November, but what I've recommended is that you look at Turo or get around where you can rent a vehicle from an individual rather than from one of the rental agencies. Go look at both of them, T-O-U-R-O, and get around and see if either of them have deals in Salt Lake that would work for you. Cheryl's with us on the Clark Howard Show. And Cheryl, let me start by thanking you for your service to our nation and the U.S. military. Thank you, Clark, and to you too. So you are uh, you a lifer in the military? You career? Yeah, unexpectedly, I turned into one. Yes. All right. Well, how can I serve you since you serve me and our nation every day? Well, Clark, I'm super excited to talk to you. I'm just fangirling here. But anyways, my Uh-oh. question is: I have about forty thousand in two former four hundred one k's from when I had a break in service. I was working for some contractors, and. They're sitting there, and they're doing great, but somebody was like, hey, maybe you should roll those into your TSPs because I contribute max to both the Roth in my TSP and the regular TSP. So I'm not really quite sure if I just leave them alone or just roll them in. Well, the TSP has uh, pretty much the lowest expenses of any retirement plan any of us have offered anywhere. And there's a simplicity to rolling them over into that TSP that I think it would be a good idea for you to just clear the decks, put them in that TSP. You only have to worry about one plan to to track every month or every quarter or whatever. And later in life, you only have to worry about doing distributions from a single plan. So if it were me having this incredible privilege of having access to a TSP, I would do that. Now, I did want to ask you one question, if I could, about the TSP, Cheryl. I, I think I may have misunderstood what you said. In your TSP, you said you're contributing to both traditional and Roth in the TSP. Is that right? Uh, yes. My preference would be that you go all in Roth. 
And okay. the reason is tax rates are unusually low by normal standards. And odds are, because of the budget deficits we're running and an aging population, that we're going to see higher tax rates down the road. So even though doing what I'm suggesting ends your current tax benefit that you get with the pre-tax dollars going into the traditional TSP, I'd rather you just go all in Roth TSP and know that you won't face tax on that money down the road. Roger, that sounds like a good plan. Thank you. Because I was kind of thinking about that, too, and uh, reading up on so many things, and that clears it up for me and makes it more clear. Thank you. And again, thank you so much for your service. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you have. Our website's clark.com and clarkdeals.com. So I'm driving down one of those roads that has all the signs for the fast food and the retailers and all that and at a fast food restaurant where they were begging for workers it says with the starting wages nothing about the specials the restaurant has or anything like that gives a starting wage of $11.50 an hour and says daily pay And this is a growing phenomenon in the U.S. where an employer, instead of you having to wait for a paycheck, an employer makes it possible for you to get paid every day. As I told you about this last year, one of the appeals to employers that pay people at the lower end of the wage scale is they've been able to reduce absenteeism by making it possible for people to get paid every day. And if somebody knows, hey, you know, it's really pretty day today, or, you know, I partied too hard last night, and they just don't quite make it to work. And this is something that, People do at all different ages. One of my daughter's friends who worked at a place that she worked at um, called in sick to work, and my daughter worked her shift, and then later she saw her having a great time at a night spot. The person who supposedly was sick, too sick to come into work, it's just they found something more fun to do. And this is something that employers face in lower-wage jobs all the time, is the no-show rate. So the idea of giving you pay whenever you want it, as much as every day, is something they figure maybe somebody says, yeah, you know, I'd like that money. You know, I got 80 bucks a day, 100 bucks a day. I'm going to get up. I'm going to go get that money because I want it today. But I want you to know this comes in two flavors. And I also want to talk about a potential disadvantage. So the two flavors. One, an employer provides you access through daily pay that they pay for. The employer just issues 
payroll, you know, electronically put directly to either a debit card or direct deposit in your account where you get paid by the day. Or an employer has cut a deal with a third-party app that actually charges you as the worker to get your pay each day. So you're actually taking a pay cut to get your pay each day. Don't do it. Don't do that. And be wary of third-party apps you'll see promoted that say that they'll give you your pay before your payday. They're different than a payday loan, but they can have very high fees, potentially. Not as bad as a payday loan, but pretty fee-heavy to do what's basically a payroll advance to you. So if the employer's doing it and they're paying for it, fine. If the employer's doing it but you're paying for it, not okay. Or if the employer's not involved at all and you get interested in this and you have a third party do it, know the fees you're paying are likely to be bad, ugly. Here's the other thing about it, is when you get your pay accelerated like that, it means that you are living literally, instead of paycheck to paycheck, you're living day to day. It creates even more financial risk in your life, and that's why it's better to get your paycheck when you're getting your paycheck instead of doing something where the money is coming uh, almost like piecework every single day. It's time for your questions you posted for me at clark.com slash ask. Kim, I think it's your turn. You are correct. And this is from Pam in Texas. Pam says, I recently purchased a bed and computer gaming desk for my son. I was told that due to all the purchases from the pandemic and remodels and stuff like that and replacement items from hurricanes, the furniture will not be delivered until mid-December. I paid for it with a credit card, but what kind of protection would I have if something goes wrong in December? I purchased the items from a national chain and I don't expect a problem, but is there really that huge of a backlog slash demand for furniture and appliances right now? Yes, there has been a big backlog, but it is hit or miss. And from what I've been reading, inventory levels have gotten better than they were, particularly if you go back and look at August. So there has been an improvement over the last two months. I would look around and see what's available elsewhere. And uh, you should be able, since they can't fulfill the order, to cancel it if you're able to find in-inventory products available right now. Uh, Buying from a major retailer doesn't mean they're not going to go bust, but most seem to be, those who already were in financial trouble seem to have already gotten there. Overwhelmingly in clothing, and especially women's clothing, uh, general merchandise retailers and uh, hardware kind of places seem to be in really solid shape. So I'm not that worried about you losing your money. But remember, when something is back-ordered, with virtually not an exception I can think of, maybe there aren't any, you should be allowed to cancel your order 
and replace it with merchandise you do find elsewhere. Joel? Clark Ryan in Arizona says, while staying in a $4,000 a week beach VRBO condo, the HOA decided to replace the foam roof the entire week. In addition, uh, roofers cut the internet and cable lines while working. The property manager apologized and sent a 25% refund. Seems like it's too little to me, though. Is 50% an unrealistic expectation? I would take my $1,000 and call it a day. Uh, you can you could seek more, but it's a very unusual thing. Usually what we hear from someone is they got nothing. The general rule, the way it works with occupying a property as a long-term rental or a short-term rental, is if you stay through the hardship, it's considered that you have used the, the service and they are under generally no obligation to give you even a partial refund because they're giving you 25% of your money back by giving you the thousand as much hassle as it was with no internet and the other problems you had. I would take the thousand dollars and I hope that the trip itself was not ruined by the problems with the accommodation. If that seems like a mamby pamby wimpy answer to you, then go back and ask for more. But if it were me and they're willing to give you a thousand bucks, I'd take the thousand bucks. Kim? Mitch in Florida says, my wife is an advanced registered nurse practitioner and she just started her first job as a 1099 employee. She drives between facilities as well as works at home sometimes. We've heard mixed suggestions on how she should be setting up her business. What would you suggest, Clark? An LLC, an S-Corp, or something else? Probably the most common in this circumstance would be being an LLC. Uh, There are a number of advantages beyond the liability shield for your wife because she's got so many varied expenses that would be legitimate business expenses that would be well dealt with inside the structure of an LLC. In addition, there are uh, certain flexible arrangements that she can enter into for retirement accounts that are more adaptable to her being in an LLC. So uh, there's not one right answer here, and it's really actually a pretty good time for her since she's her own micro business to make an appointment for either virtual or in person with a CPA who does tax and go through the advantages and disadvantages of choosing between being an S-Corp and an LLC. Joel? Clark Billy in Oregon says, we have a sizable CD maturing this month. Since interest rates are down, where would be a good, safe place to hold our cash for now? So this is a brutal thing for so many people who have CDs that were placed one to five years ago when interest rates were much higher. In terms of safety, when you mean safe as far as making sure you preserve your money, you're between a rock and a hard place because what you're left with is just looking for putting money in a savings account. We're too late for CDs to be of much help beyond an online savings account. 
and you earn a puny rate of interest until interest rates turn because if the goal is to preserve money and you use the word safe you have to stay dull with that money and cut what that money's earning power is until interest rates do decide to go back north and that could be a while kim Marilyn in texas says my spouse died in 2012 and I'm wondering if I'm supposed to be doing anything about his credit. It Does it just get deleted? 2012. Uh, uh, first of all, I'm sorry about your loss all those years ago. Things on a credit report, any negative information, anything like that, goes away after seven years uh, living or otherwise. And as far as anything you need to do, I can't think of anything you need to do. There should be no real worry or consequence. There are situations where people engage in identity theft of the deceased, but generally with no consequences for the living. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Leah is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Leah. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Leah. So uh, congratulations. You're going to be getting married soon. Uh, Thank you so much. Uh, And I'm a huge fan, my grandparents and fiancé of you, so I really appreciate the time that you're doing to take my question. Well, you are kind to say that. How can I be of help to the two of you? My question is revolving around if it's too early to open up a new credit card for my fiancé. Last year in 2019, we checked his uh, score, his credit score, and it was 598. Uh, just because, yeah, not so great, just because he traveled 24-7 with work, never really went through uh, his mail just because he was always traveling. There were a few student loans that went to collection that we've taken care of since then. Um, So in January this past year, we opened up a secure card uh, from your recommendations on your website. And his score went up to, his FICO score went up to 665. And on, I think the non-FICO score is 721. So we're, be, we're doing a lot of traveling next year. We're going to get married overseas. And I would like to get a non-foreign foreign transaction card. However, I'm not sure if it's too early to do that yet or 665 665 is a little low for a lot of the travel related cards Mm -hmm. and so it's great that he's already made that progress because 
um, 598 is, um, is, uh, really what's known as subprime. 665 is a healthier number and he's getting closer. And as time goes on with you, it sounds like you're making sure bills are paid on time every month. Yes, I do that. (laughs) Yeah. So that heals everything. And okay. are there any collections or just late pays on his credit? Uh, both. Okay. So the collections are going to take a little longer for the healing to happen from that. But by you making sure that things are paid on time every month, that's going to lead to steady incremental rises in the score. And okay. in the meantime... Has, have you set him up, because uh, it sounds like you're really getting his financial house in order, yeah. have you set him up with a Credit Karma account yet? No, but I did go on your website and I, I found his score through the, um, uh, from one of the major credit card, they offer a free check. For oh, the, the Discover score. card thing? Yes, mm-hmm. Okay, I want you to sign him up for a Credit Karma dashboard. Okay. And the reason I want you to do that is Credit Karma does something that's really helpful, is they will not only give the ability for you to continually monitor how his credit is doing on two of his three reports um, just for free automatically. You'll be able to see, and they'll coach you on the things that are going to help raise his score the other thing they do is they have a tool now where without having a hard inquiry for certain credit cards you can see based on his profile how likely he is to be approved and if there's one of the travel cards with no foreign transaction fees that he has very high odds of being approved for then it would be safe to put in that application Okay, so if, so you're saying to, to start the Credit Karma dashboard for him and then you wait, I'd say, several months until his score is well above maybe 700? Well, no, not necessarily. I mean, you'll know over time with the recommendations that Credit Karma makes if it's safe to go ahead and put in an application or not. I mean, you'll have okay. your green light or not. You'll see as you use it how the credit card recommendation thing works and the odds of approval that don't require an inquiry where they tell you which cards you're likely to be approved for. And it works really well. If there's a card that says the odds of approval are very good or excellent, they really are very good or excellent that he'll be issued that card. And Okay, great. And I want to wish you the best, Leah, in your new life with your fiance and um, it's great that you are getting his credit all squared away. (laughs) You're listening to the Clark Howard show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.